Experience gorgeous, lasting, high-quality hair color with Madison Reed. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com and get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit. Use code RADIO10. Welcome to Creature Covenant with Dr. Adriana, a world movement that celebrates the healing power of the sacred human-animal bond. Now, here is Dr. Adriana. All right, so thank you again for uh, being here with us uh, in another chapter of Creature Covenant. Today, I have a very, very special friend, somebody that I have known for years and I've had the pleasure to co-host the most important pet show in the country, uh, Mr. John Patch, my dear friend. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you in your show with Creature Covenant, sharing your experiences. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. You know how much I love you. <laughs> so, it's good to be here. Um, yeah. Congratulations on doing the podcast and all. So I'm happy for you. Thank you, and I'm happy to have you here. And, and I don't know if you get to be interviewed a lot. You know, you get to interview a lot of people, a lot of important people. But um, but I, I I'm so happy to be able to to uh, switch the the gear here, and you'll be on the spot. How does it feel? You know, I'm kind of used to it because I do get interviewed by radio stations and stuff like that a lot. So yeah. uh, I'm kind of used to do, like doing it. But um, there's one station in Pennsylvania that I do every Wednesday morning. So, um, you know, people ask me questions about how long I've been doing the show and everything else. So, yeah, I'm, I'm used. I mean, I, I kind of like being on the other side. I don't get a lot of time to talk about myself. That's nice. Well, that's what we hear about to do. So. Um, John, just that, just to tell the audience, uh, you know, about, a little more about your background, where you come from, and how you ended up in the uh, pet industry as a broadcaster. Um, well, grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, I have three brothers and a sister, and you know, I remember being a kid. My biggest things were Saturday nights, and I would I go in and take my bath, and I would put my jammies on, and I go out and sit on the couch and. You know, it was Carol Burnett. I used to watch Carol Burnett all the time. And, you know, Betty White would do appearances on there and other people and everything. So as a little kid, I always thought, wow, that's so amazing. And, you know, as I grew up and went through my things in life and all, uh, I graduated, ended up graduating at Penn State University in communications and broadcasting. I originally wanted to be a vet. So I can tell you, hands down, congratulations <laughs> to you and all the vets in the country because it's hard. <laughs> yeah, know, I tried. I loved science, but my science, the sciences didn't love me. So I ended up, you know, um, graduating in broadcasting and all. And I tried really hard to get into broadcasting in New York City. And it was very tough. I mean, that was in the 80s. Love the 80s. How can you yeah, not? Of course. Um, yeah, the best music ever. Best totally. decade. But um, New York was tough. And I eventually left there and I moved down here to Florida. And I got a part-time job in radio and, you know, working there, I, I started producing a pet show um, and it was a national pet show uh, at the network that they had. They had a network and then they had like a local radio station, a flagship station, and they hired me on the flagship station to run some programming and all. So I worked my way through pretty fast. I, I ended up starting training um, hosts and everything and producing national shows and one of the shows that I produced was uh, the pet show and the guy that had it, um, it was a national show, but it, it, it had two stations. So the network was like, this ain't going anywhere. Um, so they decided to cancel the show and more so cancel the host, I guess. And I asked them, I said, you know, I've been producing it for a little while now. I wanted to be a vet when I went to college. I didn't graduate in it, but I graduated in broadcasting. I said, give me a shot at it. And, let me see if I can grow and, you know, and build the show. Well, um, they did. Um, it was tough. It was tough having a conversation by yourself. Um, and you don't see anybody out there, but you're sitting there all by your lonesome in front of a microphone. But that was the beginning. And this is now. And obviously, you can't shut me up now. But um, <laughs> the thing is, is that I loved it. I fell in love with it. And they gave me, like, then they gave me a probationary period. They were like, if you can add three or four stations nationally to the show will let you continue on the network. I did. And then that was the beginning of Talking Pets. And that was back in 1990. 
and wow. I've been doing it ever since. So it's going on 31 years next month wow. that I'm here. We're talking pets. And it's it's a tough world. Broadcasting's tough. Um, you know, you have to deal with a lot of egos and competition and, you know, and then you have to have sponsors and so on and so forth. It's a it's a tough business. There's there's actually a lot that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see. Um, you know, it's great to, you know, be on the radio and so on and so forth, but you know, you have to keep it alive. Um, but I can say though, throughout all the years that I've been doing it, I got that opportunity to grow from a little kid watching Carol Burnett to actually grow up and be a broadcaster and spend time with Betty White and be friends with Betty White to this day. And, and me and my mom used to watch, uh, the price is right with Bob Barker constantly. Yeah. And I was like, this is so great. And then I ended up being friends with Bob and I went flew out to California and spent some time with him on the show and everything. And um, it was amazing. So where, where this radio show talking pets took me was fascinating for me. I mean, some of the experiences that I had um, were just amazing. And the people that I got to meet were, you know, you can't put money on it. Um, you know, you know, friends like Betty White and Bob Barker, Chippy Hedren, Linda Blair, those are like some of the closest ones. Greg Luganis, uh, from the you know, the Olympics and everything, diving, um, good friend as well. So I've gotten to meet a lot of interesting people, um, some that we've grouped as a friendship, some that we just, you know, we were acquaintances we met at either an award show or broadcast or something. Because I used to actually, um, back in the day, Gretchen Weiler used to run uh a foundation and then she created the genesis awards and those were awards for people that work in major media movies television shows print um all kinds of radio all kinds of things that would receive awards uh for the work that they did towards you know the good values towards animals and um so all these i ended up going and i, I became friends with gretchen and i'll tell you adriana i i interviewed some people that I, I can never imagine like Ole Gassini. Um, he was designer for uh, Marilyn Monroe and, and, um, and Jackie O and the stories that he told me off the air versus what he said on the air. <laughs> can you imagine? But, oh, it was, it, it was interesting, but um, you know, him and then Merv Griffin, um, you know, and just like uh, Brosnan. Um, I can't remember his first name. Um, Pierce? Yeah. Pierce Brosnan. Thank you. Great for <laughs> there but um like all these people that i just got to know and 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 it was pretty cool that they're they're so involved in the animal world and they're out to actually do well and i applaud them on that they're not only in the movies and got the fame and everything from that but they're trying to give back and a lot of celebrities a lot of actors and all and musicians are very much involved in the animal world um another one is ricky rocket from the group poison he's also a good friend and you know it's funny because the first time um, there, I met through Chippy Hedren, this guy, Chris, Chris DeRose, and he runs an organization called LCA, Last Chance for Animals. And it's an organization out in California. And I love Chris. He's a great, great guy. And he does a lot of like behind the scenes kind of stuff where they go into factory farms or puppy mills. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they they get hired as a an employee there, but they expose all the bad that's being done at those places. So Chris is a wow. great guy, and he called me the one day and he said, "Would you like to have Ricky Rocket on your show?" And I was like, "Ricky Rocket from Poison," <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, okay." So I I ended up calling Ricky, and the the day that I called him, he was in a casino out in Las Vegas with I guess his girlfriend at the time, and. He was like a nice guy on the phone, but I was kind of like, oh, where is, you know, this conversation going to go on my talking pet show with a heavy rocker, you know, and I, I, this is going to be a handful, but I did it. And I will tell you to this day, Ricky Rocket was probably one of the best interviews I ever did. Like he was so, his, his so perfect with his words and so eloquent with his, with his language and he was such uh, a believer in animals and that, you know, they should share this planet the same as we do and all. And just everything about the man was just everything that I did not expect. I thought a rocker was going to be kind of, you know, kind of crazy yeah. and off the cuff and, Lucky, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. And like you never know what they're going to say kind of thing. But Ricky was just hands down phenomenal. And um, so you never can judge a book by its cover. You know, you really kind of got to start reading some pages before you actually, you know, understand it. Absolutely. And that's so important that you, that you bring this up because um, you get to see this human side of celebrities. And uh, we all have this common denominator, all of us who love animals and who feel spiritually elevated by, by their presence in our lives. And uh, you get to see that human, that kindness, that, um, that, that humbling you know, experience from every person that gets to experience the relationship with animals and how they heal us, right? And, um, and you know, I, for example, you mentioned Be- Betty White. You know, she's a huge, huge animal advocate. Um, if you want to, like, because I know she's involved with the Morris Animal Foundation, right? Yeah, that that's originally how I, I met her, I believe. Um, I was at a convention and I was talking with the president of the Morris Animal Foundation. And then he asked me to lunch. And I was like, okay. And he goes, well, someone's going to join us if it's okay. And I was like, sure, of course, it's your lunch. I mean, and then he, then he kind of bur- blurted out the name and he's like, Betty White's going to join us. I was like, uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, no problem. But, you know, when you talk about uh, the humanness of someone like, I think mean, Betty White's an icon, um, 99 years old now and been around forever. She's entertained people for her lifetime and you think that maybe she would be you know have an ego and and so on and so forth but she has none whatsoever she's funny she likes to have a good time um and she does everything that she can for animals and um just a remarkable woman absolutely remarkable you know there was a time when i went to the uh, la zoo and she's on uh on the board of the la zoo and I was there with Bobby, you know, Bobby Page, mm-hmm. my main producer at the time. So we were there and she took us for a ride with Michael, the curator there at the zoo. Great guy. And all of a sudden we're, we're riding around the park on this like uh, golf cart. And you can hear people as we're riding by. Oh, my God, there's Betty White, you know, and I'm like, sitting there next to her going, they're not going, oh, my God, that's John Patch, you know, <laughs> I'm like, who is that guy sitting next to Betty? I felt like saying I'm her new husband, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, she took us around, showed us the zoo and everything like that. And just absolutely phenomenal. But it was around the time where Lake Placid came out, that movie about the alligators. Yeah. And she kind of, she doesn't kind of, she actually does have a potty mouth in that movie. Have you seen it? No. It's, it's a great movie. Uh-huh. And you just, you got to see it just to okay. see her. It's amazing. But she does say some choice words. So we were sitting in this lunchroom and it was just us. And I started telling Betty about, you know, my sister and uh, her son, Ryan, who at the time was 11 years old. And he almost died from child diabetes. Um, My sister and her husband and all didn't know what was going on, why he was so sick. And then he just collapsed and he was comatose. And they air flighted him uh, to a hospital on the other side of the state. And uh, they found out that he has child diabetes and it was, it was a very hard time for him and my sister. And so it was very difficult, but right around the time that I was having lunch with Betty was when he was getting better. And my sister had let him watch Lake Placid. So <laughs> Betty like, bring me a phone. And I was like, what? She's like, I'm calling your sister. And so she does, she sits there and I'm like, like I'm sitting there, you know, it was the old days. So I'm sitting uh-huh. there with the phone my ear and she's got her phone her ear up to the phone and i'm listening and all of a sudden my sister answered and i'm like you know that's her and all of a sudden betty's like marianne she's like yeah this is betty white and she's like no it's not (laughs) (laughs) and all of a sudden i was like uh marianne it is i'm with betty in california right now and she's like really (laughs) and betty's like i want to talk with your son ryan and um, so all of a sudden she did, she had a conversation with Ryan about, you know, being strong and how, you know, well he made it through and that her, that his mother should not have let him watch Lake Placid because, <laughs> of, 
Betty was a potty mouth. And, but I just couldn't believe that she went out of her way to do that, wow. to talk to my sister and to talk to Ryan. And that's something as long as I'll live, I'll never forget. And she's an amazing woman. And just, just someone that I wish everyone had the privilege of meeting someone like her because she's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I had the pleasure to be in one of your shows when you had her on the as as a guest in the show, and she was so down to earth, uh, lovely, uh, embracing, just just really amazing, amazing experience to to see that side of her and the love that she has for animals is is incredible. Uh, what, a, yeah. what a beautiful soul she has. What a beautiful she soul she is, actually. Well, she's definitely someone that, that gives back to the animal world. There's no doubt about that. And and she's not done. She does it every day. And I think even after her time, um, she'll probably still continue to do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And she's still going. I, I can't believe she's like 99, right? 99 amazing. years old. Just amazing. amazing. Well, I, I'm sure you have countless experiences with celebrities and and. and you know the human side and you know it's, it's always um so refreshing um now i know that you also have been very involved in the westminster dog show um yep. you were actually there every year uh reporting and, and meeting uh celebrities too there in the, in the in the dog show world right yeah we would broadcast actually um from the hotel pen uh across the street from madison square garden every year and um because my show runs on saturday evening from five to eight um we broadcast on saturday nights but the events go on like all week long different kinds of events but the benching goes on during the day part and then monday and tuesday is the actual uh winners part where you know the breed the single breed uh, of each group actually competes and so that's monday and tuesday night so my broadcast is saturday night and then Monday and Tuesday, we're always on the on the main floor of Madison Square Garden, which is absolutely amazing. Um, you're down there in the garden, you look up, and there's and there's like millions of people. It seems like um, I don't know how many how much that holds, but there's a lot of people up there, thousands of people, um, I should say, um, that are looking down on you and watching you down there, and it, it's just an amazing feeling to like to be there and watch these dogs and and watch how people prep them and get them ready for the show and what they do and it's um it's an amazing experience and i've met some pretty cool people um through westminster as well in the beginning like rod stewart was there and um lauren bacall was there mm -hmm. um very much in involved and uh bill cosby yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was back years ago um but i've actually covered it with talking pets since about 1992 and um the only time i didn't cover it after that was when i had a heart attack oh. and i was uh unable for about a year or two i backed off of things um because it was tough for me to travel and stuff like that but um then when i started feeling better i went back to doing it again i've covered it every year i think this year is going to be the first year that i don't cover it in a long time because uh it got pushed back from february uh, to June. So right. now it's held June at a castle in Terryton, New York. Um, so I heard the castle is phenomenal. That's where they used to have the show way back in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's just a little more difficult for me to get there and to make arrangements and so on and so forth because, you know, I've got to cover, you know, all the expenses for these. And that's one of the things people think you become that you become rich in radio. <laughs> Unless you're, uh, you know, like one of the biggies, which I won't mention names, Monday through Friday, um, you don't really become rich in radio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be nice, um, but, you know, for 31 years, I've been doing it and, and graciously with the help of you and, you know, the other doctors in the community and the trainers uh, that come on the show and all. And it's like, I just feel it's tough to keep it going. But the thing is, is that I fight like hell to keep the show going because to me, it's like a way of giving back in life. And I personally enjoy animals and I personally trust the animals more than I do the human population at times. Um, human beings have a 
you know, sometimes you don't know when that knife is going to come in your back. Let me just be quite frank. Um, and you don't know if um, what people will say about you and so on and so forth. And and the greed factor in the human species is just absurd. You know, when you've got people making millions and billions of dollars and they don't give back and they can, you know, to keep this planet healthy and to keep the animal populations going, um, that's that's appalling to me. So for me to be able to do interviews with people and to communicate with people and so on and so forth, that's that's always been the important thing for me. Um, and, you know, I do my best to keep it supported and keep it going and pay the bills on it and everything like that that are involved. And and we've had a lot of stations throughout the years and, you know, people have been supportive. And uh, and we're not only like um, educational and informational, but we're also um, fun. We're entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in radio, you have to be. I mean, times have changed. And if you're kind of boring on radio and so on and so forth, people aren't going to necessarily listen. So if you bring a little bit more fun and entertainment into the show, I think that helps a lot. It seems to be the formula that's kind of worked for us so far. Um, you know, when you're on the show, we get a lot of information out. We answer questions, medical and behavior questions. But we also have fun by playing some games and giving away things from the sponsors which is great i love when sponsors allow us to give stuff away because uh, people love to win things um so that's a, that's a really cool time so you know the show has meant so much to me and i feel like i really you know in my lifetime i've had a lot of hard times as you know um yes. you know, uh, physically and um health-wise right. but i've always fought back and i've still been going strong and still kept the show alive for 31 years and um i i wish i had a major sponsor that would keep it going for another lump sum of years but it's tough i mean sometimes it's tough that's why when we have sponsors on the show you know i applaud them and i appreciate the fact that they're on with us um because that means that they're supporting our message and what we're all about and you know it comes down to the fact that like money's what makes everything go round but like i said when you got millions and billions who needs that amount of money? Right. But And if you are going to have that amount of money, please give back. I mean, this is the only planet that we have. And, you know, recently I did an interview. I can't, I can't remember his last name. And I, I'm sorry for that. But his first name is Baz, uh, or Baz, B-A-S, Baz. And he was on my show. And I think he was involved with National Geographic, if I'm correct. But he was taking care of the last two white rhinos in the world. Wow. And it happens to be um, a mother and a daughter. And they're the only ones left. Wow. And in order for us to have white rhinos in this world to continue, somehow we have to impregnate one of those rhinos. And, you know, he was, Baz was telling us about how they've taken the embryos from other ones in the past and sperm and that they're able to do it that way and impregnate one of those rhinos, hopefully, you know, to keep the species alive. But the sad part of it as well as as you know, in the wild, you know, their lands are being encroached on by humans mm -hmm. for too many reasons. One, like for building purposes, but two, you know, they cut their horns off and they kill the animal. Um, and they do that because they're valuable in the marketplace. So it's it's a sad situation. And it's gotten that way in the world that there's only two left. And um, how would, you know, how would you like if you all of a sudden there's no tigers left? There's no lions. I mean, there's only like somewhere around 2,000 tigers in, in, left in the wild. That's not a lot. Um, so people always, I don't know how you feel too, uh, Adriana, about like zoos and stuff. But I think if the zoo does it right. Um, and there's a there's a lot of them that don't do it right, but yeah. I think if they do it right and they share the knowledge and uh, the purposes of keeping the species alive, I don't see any problems with zoos. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. There's a lot of research behind. A lot of them do have uh, resources available to them, and uh, they have scientific pro uh, repopulation programs. As a matter of fact. I can mention, mention one in uh, California with the condor, the Andinian condor. Uh, right. The way they, uh, they get those chicks, they never really get to interact with the human directly. There's a puppet 
that a human is uh, is is you know obviously is a puppet, but it's like the head of the condor is mimicking the mother, you know, feeding and everything. So they really never get to interact with humans at all. And once they have raised them, they go to uh, their natural habitats. So they released in uh, the Andes in South America, and they have been very instrumental in repopulation programs down in, in Colombia and Ecuador and places where, it, where the Andinian condor was practically extinct. So, I mean, and I can name you any, any number of programs like this throughout the world where zoos are part of that. I mean, we, we, we have, there's also that, that part of the zoo, which is that sad little zoo in the middle of nowhere where there's a square um, bottomless, I mean, a pit where the animal is just like bouncing around between the walls and, and, and doing stereotypical movements, which is the signs of stress and distress. I mean, that's very sad, you know? Those, those are the ones that need to be shut down. Correct. But the ones that are actually doing it and, and they, they try, they try to actually, um, emulate the, the environment where these animals are from. Hey, I have to applaud them for doing that. And, you know, they still might be in only a small area and animals or some animals may be used to migrating and moving around. But you kind of got to think in a way that if, if they're being fed and they're being taken care of and medically they're good um, and they're out there to keep the species alive because out in the wild they're being killed, um, then that that zoo is doing a good job. Um, but if, like you're saying, they're in small cages or little environments and um those are the ones that need to be shut down. And oh, and there are a lot of organizations out there that are after them to shut them down. I mean, one thing um, way back when, I couldn't even tell you when, but like I said, I've been doing the show since 1990. And way back when, I fought hard with um, organizations to try to get the wolves reenacted back into the wild. Um, and I helped do that. You know, we we got petitions and we and through the show, people got involved and everything. And and I felt like I was a part of that. You know, I wasn't the main part of it, of course, but I was a part of it. And I was proud of that. But then now I read recently, I think it was last week, where I, I, I don't I don't know the number, but a, a, a large amount of wolves were actually killed uh, up in the north areas um, because they felt like they were too abundant. But, you know, when you think about it, way back when, wolves had the run of territory. Yeah. I mean, we encroach on their land. I mean, my big saying is, is that if you're going to build a house or whatever in the wild, up in the trees and so on and so forth, you know, away from civilization of humans, then you're going to expect to have a bear or a coyote or something walking through your yard. Um, and to kill it is not the right message. Um but if you're going to live there, you got to use the right precautions and be careful of the environment around you. Absolutely. I mean, right here in Florida, where we produce the show nationally, um, I always check my back, like in my pool area, my patio and everything. When I let my cats out, I, I, I do my first perimeter check just to make sure there's no snakes or anything like that that are around um, that could harm, you know, one of my cats. So I'm not out there to kill it unless it is a rattler. Um, you know, don't need them around the human population. But if it's a good snake, like a black snake and so on and so forth, I just grab them and throw them back out into the yard. Um, but, you know, I, I try to keep an eye on things like that. But I don't know. It, 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 you know, that's just a small scale, but there is the bigger scale of things. And that's where. You know, not only on Talking Pets do we talk about your domestic dogs and your cats, but we do get involved in wildlife issues and we do get invo involved in the environmental issues as well. So we try to tackle everything. But I know like radio stations mostly want that pet aspect. So I would have to say we are 85 percent pets and probably, you know, from there, 10 percent wildlife and 5 percent environment. But I do like to get all kinds of things in there. So we make people understand that, you know, this is our planet, this is our world, and this is what we live with, and we need to take care of it, or else, you know, we're going to have a small population maybe up at Mars one day. That's right, you know, because we are we are um, polluting, we are um, really causing so much damage to our own planet, 
Um, and, and that's where us who are pretty much with our shows and what we do, a voice for the voiceless. And then uh, we, every day we show up, we are bringing awareness to these issues. And, uh, and, I, and I would say that you, you have such good following in your show for so many years. I, I can tell you, not those people are not only following you, but they're like, you're influencing them, you know, and um, your message goes far, you know, beyond that your reach that you can think of. I feel that that's, that's so, so important, so powerful too, that people in the media have the power to influence and to um, really be part of the change, be the voice for the voiceless. That is... And I do say that when we're on the air. I mean, not all the time, but I do try to get it in there, usually when my old mind remembers. But I I always say, you know, give us a call. Let's talk. I mean, this is not just my show, your show. It's it's everybody's show. And that's what we're on the air for is to people tell their story or, you know, give us a comment or, you know, be part of it. And, you know, I have no problem with that whatsoever of anybody ever giving an opinion or or being a part of the program. because I'm honored to actually have people out there listening. Um, and it does make it does make a big difference. You know, one thing I wanted to say too, and I know you're aware of this as well, but um, you know, when COVID struck a year ago, um, which I did have COVID, as I told you, um, yeah. two weeks ago. Luckily, um, with all my ailments, I actually made it through it without going to the hospital, which was great. I'm telling you, somebody's watching out for me. Um, but the thing is, is that when COVID came out and people were shut in, um, and you had to stay home and you you weren't going to work and you, you weren't on buses or trains or anything like that. It was amazing the way wildlife came back. Um, we saw animals that we would never see walking down streets that we never thought these animals would ever exist in. Um, but they were breeding as well. Um, it was just everything was becoming more beautiful. The oceans, you know, were less polluted. Um, our our drinking water was better. I mean, everything was turning around. So you kind of got to think about it. You know, was COVID a warning out there for us to say, hey, smarten up and start taking care of this planet and yourselves or else there's not going to be one. Um, you know, sometimes I learned the hard way in life that and it's something i live by to this day is as much as possible pay attention to the signs because i think that the universe or whatever is always trying to give you signs um to say hey tomorrow will be better or you know this is changing for this reason and maybe this was a big sign for us and my heart goes out to anybody who lost anybody and due to covid because they're one person lost was way too many and we've lost over 500,000. Yes. And um, so it's great that they're coming out with a vaccine and that everybody, hopefully everybody will take it. Um, so then, you know, we can go back to living life like we did. Um, but you know, as well as I do, that whenever there's a virus, there always are different strains and there's variants and so on and so forth. So who knows in the long run what, Maybe not COVID, but maybe another coronavirus may come along. We don't know that. We don't know. But, but maybe it would be a lot easier to treat them or detect them if we became a bit more environmentally friendly. Totally. So. Totally. It was an eye-opener a lot with um, also bringing up some cultural issues. You know, the killing and... Uh, of all kinds of different animal species, right? Of consumption of meats of all kinds of different, you know, animals that you and I would never think about. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but it's, is that, that a lot of disease can come up from that standpoint as well, you know? So it brought up awareness of that situation as well. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, it's tough. I mean, when you look at us here, I mean, I've got three cats now at home and love them to death. They're there for me through sickness and in health and till death do us part, you might say. Um, But, and it's great to have them around. But the thing is, is that I can't imagine 
people not having them around. I mean, they make a huge difference in your life. And I'd like to, I'd like to see more people have pets, but Oh, also going back to the whole COVID thing, when people start going back to work, um, it's going to be a big change for our pets. Um, so you're going to have separation anxiety and you're going to have issues and so on and so forth. But I hope people are prepared for that because I always say, you know, pets are not a throwaway. And I hope to God that they actually understand that. And, you know, they work with the animal when they have to go back to an office or they have to go back to school. So, you know, the pet can actually get used to being alone. Yeah. I I work from home and my cats always are used to me being here. Yes, it's absolutely important that that point that you bring up, because there was a lot of happiness as far as. Now all these people are at home and now there's a lot of animals being rescued from shelters. I mean, some, some shelters were empty. We, that's a, never seen before. Now, let's just keep these pets. Let's not just return them because now they're an inconvenience. So I hope that those pets remain. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that is Summer. Yep, that's Summer. She's fascinated with your voice. I mean, I've never seen her one come up on my desk because I don't allow them up on tables. Um, They could be on furniture, chairs and couches, but I don't want them on tables. Um, The only table they're allowed to get up on is the the bathroom sink because they're spoiled and they like to drink from the faucet. (laughs) And they all do now. That's good. That's good. One started and then the other two followed. So, but... uh. Yeah, she's the only one in the office with me right now. I don't know where to go. Winter is somewhere out somewhere. Yeah, winter is around somewhere. (laughs) They're probably snoozing. You know, you Uh, do have a parrot still, right? You do have a parrot? uh, I got two parrots. Um, Mm -hmm. I've got the African Grey and the Amazon. And I've got some finches. Mm -hmm. Um, Finches are like bunnies, I'll just tell you right now. (laughs) Yeah. you don't even know where they all of a sudden pop in. One day you look and there's five. The next day there's seven. <laughs> okay. It's like, okay. But um, as for the, and that's that's a good thing to bring up. I'm not a big, I personally would not um, have large birds ever again. Um, you know, I do a pet show and people love the large birds as pets, but they are a huge responsibility. Absolutely. They can bite very hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Been there, had that. Um, and they are expensive because you don't just keep them on seed because that's like giving them candy every day. So they need a pelleted diet and vegetables and fruit. Mm-hmm. Yep. So all of that. And then also, um, I just don't, I don't like seeing them in cages. I agree. I mean, a small bird and everything like that, you know, okay. Um, but I don't know. I mean, all these years that I've had, you know, Zach and Leo, uh, and I adopted Leo as a rescue. Um, so Leo right now has got to be somewhere in the forties or fifties and Zachary, I did get as a baby. Um, so Zach's about, uh, 30 right now. Um, is the Amazon? I'm sorry. Which one is the Amazon? Uh, Leo, the green one. The green. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're cool. They're pretty. Um, they pick up things you don't want them to pick up verbally. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I could say that firsthand. Um, the F-bomb's been dropped several times by my by, by my Amazon. And when I'm on the air, um, which <laughs> don't need that. Um, but um, I just don't like the aspect of something like that being in a cage, something so I small. I agree. And, um, so I would never do it again, but it's weird, Adriana, because it's like, I, when I take on a pet in my life, I don't like to give up on them. Of course. And um, So a lot of people had said, you know, oh, you know, we'll give them to somebody else or give them to a zoo or whatever, but most zoos won't take a pet parrot because of disease. I'm sure, you know, as diseases yes. and so on and so forth. So they won't usually take them for that. Um, but the thing is, is that, I have a hard time giving them to someone else because, you know, even though they're in a cage with me and they get great food and everything like that. Um, and I always keep the radio or television on for them for entertainment and they do have each other. Um, but 
I just am fearful that if I gave them to someone, they would one, not treat them well, um, two, let them go. Yeah. And most most birds that are pets like that, um, if you let them go here in Florida, they might survive because of the weather is warm enough for the for the most part. But they're not going to be able to defend themselves from like an eagle or a hawk or anything like that. They, they've never seen one. Right. Um, so most likely the bird's not going to last for long. So I don't know. I think people need to think, and me too. Um, back then I thought, oh, well, I wanted a parrot, you know. And um, But people need to think first before they, they go uh, that route. Yeah, and especially you, you mentioned those those pet birds, you know, particularly the, the larger birds, they tend to last, like, they can outlive you easily. 80, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so when you bring in that type of pet to your home, it's a lifelong commitment. And uh, most people don't think about that. I got to tell you, um, I've never seen Summer react like this ever. <laughs> but she is so fascinated with your voice. Uh-huh. I mean, she hears you talking and she bounces out of that chair and she's like on the edge of the desk. And I'm like, no, no on desk. And she's looking at me. But every time you talk, she's like, I don't know. She's fascinated with you. Summer. Like, oh, don't, don't Summer. get her started. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I think that we underestimate animals so much. Uh, they're so wonderful, so smart. They bring so much happiness so much joy. Uh, they elevate our spirits. They are healers for us. Um, they, um, <laughs> and there she is. <laughs> Hi, Summer. Look at her. <laughs> She's definitely fascinated. Look at her face. <laughs> yep. And, that, that, her, and her paw came on that desk. I was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> She's fascinated with you. I mean, <laughs> yep, all about you. Yes. Oh. But I, you know, I I couldn't imagine living life without having a pet, though. I mean, oh, because they're great. They're amazing. They're amazing. They they bring so much joy and so much healing to our souls for sure. Um, and anybody, you know, everybody that's obviously listening to this show, to Creature Covenant, they are uh, they they understand the the healing power of the human animal bond. Um, so just to, you know, just to close our, our show, and because it has been such a pleasure to have you uh, sharing all your stories um, and, um, you know, because you're a dear friend and we never get to have conversations like this. Um, let's and I appreciate, I appreciate it. And I, <laughs> she's like, being, she's being so bold. It's like, she is determined. Oh my God. Oh, now she's going after my okay, letter. Yes, yes. She's just putting her foot right there. Yep, look at her. <laughs> yep, no. Lay down. Lay down. Lay down. She's just so you think, curious. You think she'd be tired? She was out running around the pool all day. Uh-huh. But then, but then it's like, you know, they have the life. They're out there basking in the sun while I'm in mm -hmm. my office working. But it's kind of cool, though, because my pool is caged, so I don't have to worry about them as much. Yeah. You know, I, I always say the last place a cat needs to be is out, outdoors because um, too many things out there. Totally. Wild animals, kids, cars, disease. So. Yeah. BB guns. <laughs> That's she's, it. You got to love her, though. I mean, she's just like intensely staring at me right now. She's just watching you. <laughs> Look at her. She's like, what's going on? Yeah, she's just like <laughs> fascinated. <laughs> so wonderful. All right, Joe. So how can people um, listen to your show? How often are you aired? Um, and how can they support you? Um, we air nationally. Um Saturdays that we're live from 5 until 8 p.m. Eastern time, but a lot of radio stations uh, play us on Sundays um, rather than live. It's just where they can fit us in their schedules. Um, but you can also listen on Facebook. We do have Facebook Live um, at Talking Pets Radio. 
So you can watch and listen there as well on Saturdays if you can't find us on the radio station. But, um, you know, it's funny because there was one point where I did some research and we were being heard in like London and Afghanistan and stuff like that, which is pretty yeah. wild. Wasn't it Kuwait um, or somewhere like in the Middle East too? Like, I know you said like Afghanistan, but somewhere like was in Kuwait or something like people in the military, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have, too. we've had a lot of like interesting places, you know, out there, but, um, We're mostly the United States that that listen to us, though. Um, in Canada, we're in Toronto as well. But um, yeah, Saturdays, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern time on your radio station. Or if you just check and if you can't pick it up on the radio station, just call your local radio station, AM or FM talk station and tell them that, you know, you want them to pick it up. That helps our cause tremendously. Um, so they'll actually listen a lot more to. Uh, people that listen to the station more than if I call them. But um, there's all, also different places like Spotify, uh, TuneIn, Apple. Um, there's all different like uh, streaming uh, that you can actually find the show on as well. Awesome. Um, but then we podcast the show on the, on the website too, TalkingPets.com. And uh, no G in the talking. No G. G-A-L-K-I-N Pets.com. That's right. Um, just to uh, take a brief moment to honor your the team behind you. There's so much that comes when you're producing a show. Who are your teammates? Who are the people that we need to give credit to? Yeah, actually, um, right now we have um, four producers on the show. Lexi. Lexi's been with us for a long time. Um, then now we have uh, Matt. Matt's a newbie, as well as Devin is a newbie as well. And Kayla, my niece, actually, I trained her and she sometimes does better than a broadcaster. Um, so she's part of the producing staff, too. Uh, so there's them. Um, and then, of course, all of you guys, the doctors. Um, so it's it's great having you guys. And I appreciate it every time that you come on. And plus, it's like between the vets and the trainers that come on. Y'all have become good me with that y'all thing coming out um but y'all have become family to me it, it's like and i appreciate when you guys show up and it's also fun um people love to get the advice from a vet and it's a venue like you say it's an opportunity of giving back and and having people listen to you all over the country and all over the world so it, it's pretty cool so i you know i have to applaud you guys the veterinarians and, and the trainers and i appreciate every time that you show up it means a lot And we do have a good time. Um, oh, absolutely. We get back and, and we have fun. I uh, always have we... so much blast. I mean, it's, it's such a refreshing thing for me to do. Um, love it. I've been doing this for like, what, 10 years now? Probably. Maybe. I've been doing it. Yeah. It'll be 31 years for me. It's probably about 10 years for you now. Yeah, if, not, if not more. Yes. It might be more. More. Yes. Yes. I would say more. Because, yeah, of, so, yeah I think that 12 years. 12 years. Yeah, I would say, yeah, it's amazing. It's a wonderful experience. I don't change you for anything. I enjoy being in the show so much. Um, the questions, the audience, um, we just have a lot of fun. Uh, the people they interview, all the authors, it's just countless people that it, it, just, it makes your show amazing every Saturday. Um, and, and and then, uh, we uh, like to do that too on the show. We, we interview celebrities, authors, organizations like HSUS or ASPCA or yep. AHA, LCA. Um, all of those organizations will come on. We have authors that join us um, talking about their books, their latest book. And, and that's one of the cool things too is um, I require like prerequisite to interviewing authors that we're able to give away some of their books. So we do that on the air as well. And we give uh, books away to listeners and So there's a lot of different things and the sponsors come on and they all let us give some of their product away on the air as well. So there's a, and the one thing big about it is it's live radio. So you never know what's going to happen. That's right. Both, both good and bad. True. And we, true. It, we and both sides. Yes, that's true. And th there is some, uh, some of your sponsors that I, I actually like their products. Could you mention their, their sponsors? Because I, I know these products are very important, you know, good for the environment um, and um, great, great products. You know, like which well, ones are you? SCOE 10X actually has been with me for years. 
Um, and it's an odor eliminator and probably the best odor eliminator that you're ever going to find because I know for a fact from my older cat, the one that passed away years ago, um, it took out urine and you know, cat urine is probably one of the worst things to get rid of. So, um, yeah, SCOE 10 X has been with me a long time and, um, we have Dynavite on, which Mm -hmm. is a supplement. The one thing I really love about Dynavite is a lot of people, buy these cheap brands of dog food like dry food and you know cat food Mm -hmm. and if you sprinkle the the dynavite on that food at least you're giving them everything that they need vitamin wise and element wise and so on and so forth and um that will keep them healthy uh with dynavite and then there's a life boost coffee came on with this recently and Mm -hmm. oh the best coffee i have acid reflux and i don't get acid reflux from their coffee and and the thing that's cool about their coffee is he hires families, farmers out in Nicaragua, and to farm his beans. So it's not a mixture of beans from different territories or countries. It's always from there. Um, it keeps those families well supported. Um, but not only that, he gives back to um, the uh, wildlife organizations like the Rainforest Fund and so on and so forth. So uh, Dr. Charles Livingston is his name. Is his name. It's kind of funny, Dr. Livingston, I presume. But um, so he's great. And now coming on, we have a new one coming on, and it's called Poop and Tie. And uh-huh. the first that I've heard of, pooper bags to pick up after your dog, but it actually has a string tie. So, um, and it comes with a bag and a little flashlight for you if you're outside and so on and so forth. It's pretty cool. So they're going to be joining on in April. So, yeah, I mean, sponsors are the thing that keep us alive and keep us out there and let us do a radio show. Oh, absolutely. And if any any one of our listeners has a product that um, they would want to would like to be sponsored uh, of the most important pet show, pet show radio in the country, this is your opportunity. So pay attention. Yeah, we, we actually are the oldest and longest running pet show in the country. Yes. And so that's a, that's a pretty big honor. And um, one thing that I know and one thing that I do, if you do become a sponsor onto the program, I I incorporate you as family and i promote you as much as i can because i know how important it is and especially because so many of them give back um and the other thing is that without them we wouldn't be on the air and people wouldn't be getting advice and free advice and there's one thing i just had this conversation the other day is one thing that's good about radio is no matter where you go it's free so you're not paying, you know, twelve ninety nine a month or whatever for uh-huh. you know the service. It's actually free. So I'd like to see it stick around for a long time to come. Wonderful. Thank you so much, my dear friend. I'm so happy to interview you for Future Covenant. And, I love you. Uh, I love you too. Uh, you're a great, great friend. I've known you for so many years and uh, for the many years to come. And uh, my best wishes for your continuous recovery. And uh, we'll see you next time. Sometime in April, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Love you. Have a wonderful weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Kids need wholesome snacks to fuel their active bodies and imaginations, like delicious soft-baked Cliff Kids Z-Bar. With energizing whole grains from organic oats and in flavors kids love, it's the perfect portable snack for blasting off to space on the swings at recess or exploring the uncharted schoolyard with fellow adventurers. Grab a box of Cliff Kids Z-Bar snacks today because imagination needs fuel. Learn more at cliffkid.com. Kids need wholesome snacks to fuel their active bodies and imaginations, like delicious soft-baked Cliff Kids Z-Bar. With energizing whole grains from organic oats and in flavors kids love, it's the perfect portable snack for blasting off to space on the swings at recess or exploring the uncharted schoolyard with fellow adventurers. Grab a box of Clip Kids Z-Bar snacks today because imagination needs fuel. Learn more at clipkid.com.